0: Friday the 13th horror podcast is a proud independent podcast
1: to learn more about the show. Visit a 13.com. Maddie, Maddie,
0: what are you doing? We got to record. I'm lighting candles, saying prayers, rubbing my belly three times, touching my nose, turning around twice, spitting to the East, collecting three teardrops, stepping over every crack, avoiding black cats, walking around every ladder and hoping that our episode will be okay uh
1: wow that's uh that's a lot what why are you doing this
0: andrew it's literally friday the 13th today and i'm spooked
1: maddie there's nothing to worry about
0: did you just knock on wood
1: uh admit it you just knocked on wood no comment it's episode 107 superstitions are terrifying i am the
2: writing on the wall the whisper in the classroom I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay in the we honor thee, from life to death to <laughs> rise! Right, Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Horror in the Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna run? Where are you gonna hide? Nowhere there's no one like you left what do we want justice when do we want it yeah! let's go what are you waiting for huh what are you waiting for i want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning sometimes that is
1: better So, Friday the 13th, I feel like it's good luck that the drawing is on Friday the 13th. But,
2: (laughs) Dr. James, like you. My son
1: last night was really upset. He said, Tomorrow's Friday the 13th. I have a test. Does that mean I'm going to do bad on my test? Why are we so superstitious? Yeah, it was so so sweet.
2: sweet.
0: Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie, and my name is Andrew. And if you're joining us for the first time on Friday, the 13th Horror Podcast, this is the podcast that talks about horror in real life and the movies from an LGBT perspective. And this episode, episode 107, is launching on none other than the namesake day of our podcast, Friday, the 13th, 2023. So uh, we just put an episode out so um, that we don't we don't we usually do them. uh, What is that biweekly? We call it right, Andrew, twice a month.
1: Yeah, I get really confused by the term bi-weekly because I don't know if too. that means twice a week or twice, uh, like once every other week. So yeah, right. <laughs> and like, and now I only get paid once a month
0: now. So now I, I've forgotten like what the other term is, if I'm being honest. Anyways, um, we're,
1: yeah. we're here in your ear holes again. So exactly. congratulations. Here we
0: are. It's a surprise episode just for you. We'll be back again in October with a little Halloween uh, episode too. um, Folks, it is good to be with you. This is an episode all about superstitions and how terrifying they are. looking forward to discussing these things i want to talk a little bit about the psychology of superstitions um and andrew has a pretty cool list of some just some silly superstitions um and um and we'll talk about these it's going to be fun you know i think it is fun andrew because i mean like that's if you think about it without the superstition we wouldn't even have a show
1: yeah and i'm i mean friday the 13th for me is really special not only because yeah. i love watching the movie series but i also got married on friday the 13th in october and look, october. Up, and look so, how that turned out
2: <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. laughs>
1: still with that fucking guy <laughs> <But> wait <laughs> how
0: many years has it been five
1: six six years six years that's yeah right. six years. okay so uh i'm happy to be releasing this on that day i think yeah. it's really special and i'm and honestly like It's very rare that the Friday the 13th movies fit into our theme. True. an episode so i was really happy to be able to watch these movies and talk about yeah. them because i didn't know when we would get the chance you know what yeah. i mean yep i totally get it and and
0: folks we are doing friday the 13th part three and friday the 13th the final chapter or part four um later on in the episode but andrew before we go to the fun stuff let's talk about the not fun stuff which is the certified terrifying corner um and you know like i have three things written down here and i think. um I'm going to skip one of them. Um, yeah, that's fine. We're, I think the the I'll, I'll mention this one pretty quickly. And it's this one. The, the Biden administration um, this week, like I said, it's it's Friday the 13th. When you're listening to this, it's, it's a surprise. It's not it's not live right now. <laughs> we're recording this <laughs> on the 8th of October. Um, I know. Isn't that weird? The magic of this. Um, the Biden administration, in a very surprise move, decided to continue building the border wall that President Trump began. Um, I, I gotta tell you I, I think this is not this is this is wrong. I really wish there there is an immigration issue in America. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with with compassion and with and with love, not with a wall that was built by the the maybe one of the worst presidents we've ever had in America. So I, I heard that that news and I was you know I was actually just really sad to hear it. I was really sad, especially like I like I've never I never thought that I would be an immigrant in my life. And now I am. And like, I know how hard it is to get into a country and like live and figure out your life and do all of it and i can tell you that people don't do these things because they're like because i don't know they want to like steal from you like they're doing it for a better life you know and i just i don't know it makes me really sad that's it
1: yeah i mean i talked about this a lot when we did the patriotism episode before we went on break and yeah yeah i just i don't understand and maybe one day i will see the other side i'm not sure but i i just seriously don't understand the idea of not wanting to share where you live and the beauty of where you live with other people. I get it. And I don't get it. But
0: yep, all those all those Americans who are, you know, just crying about jobs being taken away by immigrants. Let's see how many of those jobs you actually take.
1: You pieces. you should really be worrying about AI. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh,
0: yep. Yep, good luck with that. You you oh, uh, just bu- you 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 buffoons you people are. Anyways, the, uh, the well, the, the, the other thing we need to talk about, of course, is something that just happened this weekend um, and terrible news in Israel and Palestine and uh, Hamas, which is the terrorist organization. And I do use that word correctly. Terrorist organization um, in, in the Gaza Strip um, launched a surprise attack on Israel with thousands of rockets being fired into Israel Um, and then a surprise invasion, like this came out of nowhere. And Israel hasn't had something like this in over 50 years since the Yom Kippur war. Um, it is very, very bad. Um, you know, I was just literally just watching the news. There's, I think the official count from Israel right now is about 700 people are dead. There's going to be hundreds more that will die for sure. Thousands of Palestinians are going to be killed because Israel is going to retaliate. Obviously, they already are, um, and it's you know it's just so sad. Um, and you know it's this is going to sound like such a first world fucking thing, and I hope nobody takes it that way. Trust me, it is weird. It's a weird coincidence that I also just happened this week um, on Tuesday to, or no, on Wednesday to book a trip to Israel for my Christmas vacation. And look, my vacation doesn't mean anything in this. I'm aware of it. But I'll tell you, I was really looking forward to going to this place I've always wanted to go and explore the historical sites that I've always wanted to see with my own eyes and touch with my own hands, um, like the Western Wall and the Al-Aqsa Mosque and you know, go to the place where Jesus was born and go to the place where he was crucified. And I've, I've, th- these are things that I've dreamt of in my life. And, um, so excited for it. And like, look, once again, I'm not, it's okay. I can cancel it. I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm I'm not really worried about that. What's sad about it is that like, is it ever going to be a place that you can just, you can just rely on to be peaceful that Mm -hmm. you could, you know, buy a, buy a ticket to go there and think, I'm going to go to this beautiful place and meet these beautiful people Jews and and Arabs. I'm going to meet Palestinians and Israelis. I'm going to share in their culture. I'm going to have conversations with them, eat and drink with them, and do all these things. And you can't do that. And um, it's it's terrible. And you know, Hamas, you know, the thing about it, you know, there's plenty of people who are going to say, I don't know a lot about this, and that's fine. What what I can tell you is this Hamas is not Palestine, and Palestinians are not Hamas, right? Hamas is an organization doing this that is funded by Iran. To create havoc and chaos. And that is what is going on right now. Palestinians want peace. Israelis want peace. Everyone wants peace. And the way that, I mean, there are stories I was listening to today of Hamas terrorists going into homes and kidnapping children. Like, insane the evil that is happening right now. And look, Israel has done its own share of really stupid shit in the settlements in Israel going into places and 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 you know there are israelis who have killed palestinians too and there are there are things being done on both sides of this that are shitty but for the love of god can these people all of you could you fucking grow up and let this shit go and create peace for your children that you claim to love so much
1: it's insane yeah drives me fucking nuts i don't I I don't know if I maybe like I don't know if I have a broken brain or not, but like I don't understand human on human violence. Like I don't I don't understand it. Like I I literally can't comprehend beyond. Like just for instance, this is this is so trivial in the grand scope of things of what you're talking about, but I just want to put it in perspective for for me is I was walking to the train the other day. And just like I do every single fucking day, I walk on the right. I pass people on the left. I get back in the, on the right. That's yeah, just like sure. normal. I mean, for a lot as, of people, they drive. The same same idea. As, as as though you were driving, that's the side that you walk on. I totally get it. Yeah. And so I'm I'm walking. I I walk past this woman. I have my headphones in. I'm just walking. Oh no! And she she runs up. And I have headphones in, so I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry." Like, I take my headphones out, and she goes, "You just cut me off on the sidewalk." And I literally just, I literally just looked at her and I said,
0: "I'm just walking." Wait, 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 wait. Did she come up behind you or from in front of you?
1: So I passed her on the left. Behind you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. And then she like sped up to tell me that I cut her off. (laughs) Are you? are you kidding me no and i was like what i wanted what i really wanted to say to her was are you having a bad day like are you because i'm just trying to get to the train like we all are but it's it's this it's this idea of control and this idea of just like wanting everybody to do what you want them to do that we got to let go of. We got to let go of it. Life is I've said this many times on this podcast before life is too fucking hard on its own. Stop trying to make it harder. I agree. I
0: agree. And,
1: You know, like, look, I, I think what what people
0: are fighting over over there is just it's their history. You you've all know, Harari, who wrote um, the book uh, Sapiens. I don't know if, if I'm, I'm almost done reading it. Finally, it's a fantastic fucking book. If you've never read it before, like, just uh, trust me, read it. It's 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 it'll knock you out. But he was on it. He was on a podcast, um, uh, the the Lex Friedman podcast that, that I listened to, which is a great podcast. I I really quite enjoy it. And Yuval Noah Harari lives in uh, in Jerusalem, uh, or maybe is in Tel Aviv. Uh, either way, um, he was talking about, and this is before this happened, talking about the conflict and talking about you know what people are fighting for over there. And you just said history, which is true, but even one step further, they're fighting over stories. It's stories, yeah. it's stories. Like, look, I am somebody who considers himself a very out of the box, loose leaf Christian right? So I would, I would consider myself religious. I believe in the power of myth. I don't believe literally in everything. That's not the kind of religious person that I am. Trust me. And if you've listened to the show, you should know that. But I do find comfort and solace in many of the myths and the stories that, uh, that are part of my tradition, right? And listen, folks, the Bible is just a fucking story, that's it, and if then you don't, <laughs> if you can't get that in your fucking head, you are literally a crazy person. You're a fucking crazy person. And if those if the stories in that storybook make you go out and kill people, you and I'm not talking about just the Bible, about the Quran and fucking everything else, every religious text. If you go out and kill people because of it, or if you think that you have a right to a land because of it, you are fucked up. You're fucked up. I'm sorry, all of you are. Yep. It's, it's disgusting. Everyone should just, everyone should just be ashamed of themselves. But who should be ashamed of themselves most right now is Hamas. Because they are going to get nowhere with this. It's going to inflame things so huge. And because of their ridiculous terrorist action, thousands of people are going to die. And they're going to be kids. They're going to be women. And they're going to be men who did nothing to deserve it. And they should be ashamed of it. They won't be, but they should be. So, look, we could talk about this for a while. We're going to leave it there. Um Needless to say, I am not going to Israel for my, for my Christmas trip. I'm canceling that this week. I think I'll be going to just little old boring Florence, Italy. Andrew,
1: just, oh you know, oh, just bit more, just Italy. <laughs>
0: you know what? It'll be a bit more peaceful. I think there, uh, but I am I am serious when I say I am I am really hoping and and even praying that that peace happens over there because what this could turn into is just uh, catastrophic catastrophic
1: what this what this world needs is a little more peace
0: girl that's what i've been talking about (laughs) anyways on with the show let's talk about some superstitions speaking of stories um, superstitions are boy, weird really are um, (laughs) weird and interesting um andrew why don't we talk about some silly superstitions first
1: yeah so um i wanted to talk a little bit just because we're releasing this on friday the 13th i wanted to talk a little bit about 13 why is it unlucky why why do buildings not, even though they do have a 13th floor, <laughs> it's called the 14th floor, but <laughs> it's, it's whatever. <laughs> Just the button, um, the buttons has a different. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's interesting the way that we came to 13 and why it's so mm. like, quote unquote unlucky. And researchers, according to the History Channel, researchers estimate that as many as 10% of the US population has a fear. A little legit, legitimate fear of the number 13. And each year, even more specific fear of Friday the 13th. I'm not going to say the word. You can look up a phobia. It is the longest word I've ever seen in my life, and I can't pronounce it. So. <laughs> um, but it, literally, Friday the 13th results in a financial loss of, in excess of $800 million annually. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because people won't get married on it. They won't travel on it. Or in some cases, they won't even work on it so if you have today off because it's friday the 13th i mean good for you but andrew andrew i'm gonna
0: give that word a try okay go for it okay let me see if i can do this this one's this one's i'm pretty good at pronunciation this one's hard for me too. it's oh, real shit. long <laughs> uh okay so i want to say it's probably paraskavideki hold on wait and try it again paraskavideki Paraska, parask, parask, patria, phobia. Oh my God, that is, that might be the hardest word I've ever seen
1: in my life. Yeah. So look up the, the, that, that phobia if you want to know what Friday the 13th. Jesus. So that, then going back, I'm like, well, what's, what's up with 13? Like, why, why do we have this fear of the number 13 and of Friday the 13th? So then we go back to, guess what? Ding dong, the Bible. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, really, what we look at is that 12 is seen as kind of a quote unquote perfect number. divine number. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 13, some would argue, was to be the unusual one oh, right after that. And then, when we look at the Bible, we look at Judas, and Judas was the 13th, the 13th guest. apostle. Yes. So, a lot of people look at that as kind of Where that comes from? I never thought about that.
0: That's really interesting.
1: And then also Loki, who is the god of basically uh, chaos, if for lack of a better word, of the mischievous god, um, he was the thirteenth guest at the party in Valhalla. So it's like it's it's got roots in why we why we think.
0: That 13 is so okay. unlucky. Also, if Valhalla was real, I can guarantee you all those dudes up there would be fucking hot because they're like Vikings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. like well, they would all be go ahead. They would
1: all just be fucking each other
0: <laughs> well yeah that's cool like, I'm, I'm into that i want to go to valhalla let's go
1: oh god I, I this this is gonna sound bad but i was <laughs> i was watching these football commentators yesterday and i was like man i would really like to see a porn where he's the bottom and he's the top and i was like
0: <laughs> exactly
1: look this is this is the way our brains think ain't nothing wrong with it ain't nothing wrong with it Listen, I'm not I'm not thinking about bombing or punching anybody. I'm just thinking about who would make the better bottom or top. Yeah, so, I'm thinking
0: about bombing
1: a booty. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <sighs> they're in a war on this ass. Fuck. Seriously. Um, OK, so some silly stupid shit. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I knew I was going to fumble that word superstition it. it my, my mouth doesn't work today. Superstition, superstition, superstition. Um, so some weird superstitions that people have, obviously we have beginners luck. Uh, this is just something that like, Hey, they just picked this up and they're really good at it. Um, find a penny, pick it up. I remember this rhyme from my childhood. Like, this is, and, and the thing about, I, I love this list because it always like echoes me back to like what I used to think like when I was a kid, but like, I hate this list because it doesn't give any history on, on like why, but I don't think yeah. there is a why. I think we just pass it down as like stupid kids. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, true. Um, I still will, I still will avoid. Okay. This is what I'm going to say. This next one is don't walk under a ladder. Okay. I don't do that because I live in constant fear that I am in a final destination movie. Yeah. This is how I live my life. I look around at all things that could kill me at all times and that's just how I live. Like I I don't know how to I don't know how to say it, but like that's just like that's just common sense don't go under a ladder because somebody's doing something up there. <laughs> like, you know well, I mean? I mean also I mean like if you think about ladders like I mean ugh how
0: many ladders are that big that you can even walk under them in the first place? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think maybe like, and like, I think I used to avoid them. I think like, like living in Chicago was tough because I mean, think about how many, um, Oh, what are those things called on the outside of buildings? Um, windows, not (laughs) not ladders, not ladders, but they would be, um, Oh, like landings. Um, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like when they're working on a building like window washers, like like well they're working on a building they're like they're like doing stuff scaffolding it, scaffolding thank you so like a, a scaffold is like basically a ladder if you think about yeah. it and so like think about how many of those you had to walk under or you still walk under now like when you're in the city you know what i mean so i think that one kind of like i got over that one a little bit but also once again when am i ever going to walk
1: under a ladder yeah um this next one it makes me a little sad because oh, i yeah. actually did have uh, a, a cat that was a, a black cat and i think that this is the black cat crossing your path i think we need to get over this like this comes from ancient egypt like we need to let this go because there are so many people that won't adopt cats just because they're black cats and i think that if anybody showed you thackeray banks was a great cat and yeah. we need to like get over
0: it also <laughs> so. like i mean if if i was going to get a cat i'd want a black cat i mean i don't want a cat because they pee everywhere thank you but like hello Black cats are fucking cool.
1: Actually, like I will tell you uh the 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 kind of cat that are those like black cats, those are some of the most well-behaved and most um human-like really? cats, like they they that they, they, they like they want to interact with humans. And so like we need to get over it. Um the a rabbit's foot never understood this. Don't understand why you want Did you, you ever keep a, Did you ever have one? You know, I think that I bought one with like my tickets from the arcade so I don't think okay. it was real yeah. yeah but I you know what I mean <laughs> like it was probably just like a stuffed animal like, isn't foot.
0: that isn't that just like that's such a weird thing that we all did <laughs>
1: like yeah why did we have a rabbit's
0: foot like let's did you ever weird. have a did, did you ever have a real one oh I I doubt it I mean I I I can't even remember I'm sure that I had one I had to have had one from some gift shop somewhere But I can't recall it. And I'm sure whatever I did, it wasn't real.
1: But so, I mean, some of the other big ones, obviously, we have 666, which is the, you know, the number of the beast. Uh, Knocking on wood, the wishbone. There's so many superstitions. But the crazy thing is, is that all of us as humans, we just accept them. And we, we we don't know. And I'm I'm excited to hear about the psychology of superstition from you. Yeah, because a lot of these things don't make any sense when you really actually think about them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's some really interesting stuff. Um, you know the so th- this is uh it's a, it's an article from
0: 2016, and I went through multiple articles trying to find one that I thought would work best. And I think this one is is pretty good. It's from Vox. Vox. Um, and it's called "The Psychology of Superstitions Explained." So you can go read the whole article if you would like, but I'll read you some of it now. Um, and they, what what the author here does is they they go into sort of like like antiquated um, superstitions and then more modern ones. So I'll I'll take you through it. Um, they begin by saying in November of 1896, Popular Science reported on a quote curious superstition held by young men, and it's bonkers. This was the superstition. If one places a snake's tongue upon the palm of his hand beneath the glove, it will cause any girl, regardless of her previous indifference, to ardently return his passion if he were able to take her hand within his own. That's fucking fucking crazy. That's
1: that's, honestly, that's the root of... The, the patriarchy, right? There. Yeah, right. Oh seriously, God. it's a snake, snake's tongue on the hand. So people have been indulging in weird
0: superstitions throughout history, um, like this one, for example. In 1888, the Washington Post republished a bit on a curious superstition seen in London. Uh, quote, unquote, no marriage can be a happy one unless the bride has one hair of every member of her family sewn into the lining of her wedding gown. The news briefing oh read, God. every member gross now those are antiquated examples of course but are they really any more absurd than the rituals that cubs fans perform today with their team in mm. the world series for the first time since the 40s and this is in 2016 remember yeah um, and, and here are some of those superstitions that that they and we were still doing uh sometimes reports that one 29 year old sometimes refuses to scratch itches during games <laughs> for fear that caving in will cause the cubs to lose The Aurora Beacon News in Illinois spoke to a family that, quote, won't wash Cubs shirts or jerseys worn during a game until the team loses when they wash off the bad luck. Scientific American talked to a 66-year-old fan who ritualistically shakes hands with his wife and another fan before the game starts. Um, Superstitions are universal. No one is immune to them. Even smart, educated, emotionally stable adults believe that superstitions they recognize are not rational. Uh, and this says Jane Risen, a University of Chicago Booth School of Business psychologist who studies magical thinking and superstitions. It sounds like a contradiction that we humans can be so smart but still succumb to superstition. But it's not. In fact, it reveals a key conflict between the two ways our brains think. Why are humans so prone to superstitious thought? Well, in 2013, psychologist Daniel Kahneman published a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and it popularized a growing theory in psychological literature. The theory outlines two main channels or systems in which we think, and how the two of them interact can explain how superstitious thoughts originate and stick around. So here they are. The first way, it's called System 1 represents our immediate gut reactions to the world. It's the part of our brain that thinks in stereotypes and makes snap judgments. So in the case of superstitions, System 1A tries to find simple cause and effect outcome to make sense of the world. So something like this, I wore this shirt the last time the Cubs won, so I should wear it again. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, here's, here's B, the other part of system one. System one is good at coming up with the worst possible scenario. So it begs us not to tempt fate. right? And it mm. is really sensitive to irony. So people report that a person is more likely to be rejected from his top choice university if he presumptuously wears a T-shirt from that school while waiting for the decision. In the case of the Cubs, a superstitious person might think, the one time I didn't wear my Cub shirt, they will absolutely lose, right? And then C in System 1, the final part of it, is that it thrives on a confirmation bias. So mm-hmm. when people think about their superstitious intuitions, they are likely to automatically retrieve examples from memory that support them, Jane Risen writes. Confirmation bias fuels a cycle that empowers the superstition, right? Mm, so yeah. with the, with the Cubs again, the Cubs won because I wore the shirt. Because I wore the shirt, it's magic, right? So that's System One. Now System Two is the slower, rational brain that's more grounded in objective facts. Facts, part of me. So System Two ought to jump in to tell us, "Don't be stupid. Ratty old t-shirts don't win games. Players do, and you're not a player, not even close." But the thing is. Ryzen argues in an academic review paper, we willfully ignore system two. That is, we cave into superstitions even when we know they're illogical. And there's research to back this up. Here's one clear example. One study had participants throw darts at a board, and they were rewarded for their accuracy in hitting the bullseye. The researchers found that even with the reward, people were less accurate at throwing darts when there was a picture of a baby on the dartboard compared (laughs) compared with when there was a picture of Adolf Hitler. The darts wouldn't cause harm to either person, obviously, but it's hard not to feel superstitious about it. So we cave into system one and indulge in superstitions. In Ryzen's view, we often acquiesce or cave into our system one thinking even when we know it's irrational for a few simple reasons. The costs of indulging superstitions are often low, right? So not washing the t-shirt is kind of gross, but it's not costly. It doesn't cost you anything. Meanwhile, the cost of losing a game is horrific so why not keep the t-shirt out of the laundry what is there really to lose even people who report that a magic spell cannot cause damage are less willing to allow an experimenter to say a magic spell if their hand is at risk than if some other less valuable object is at risk Hmm. another is that it's really easy to imagine the bad thing happening it's just really hard to ignore it so in the case of the cubs once again It's especially true. The Cubs never make it to the World Series. They haven't won it in more than 100 years. It's really easy to imagine them losing. And that makes it harder to not be superstitious. And there's one more theory why superstitions endure despite our knowing better. They comfort us. They allow us to feel like we have some control over a chaotic world even if our actions are meaningless hmm. and when so few things in the world are predictable, there's an irresistible comfort superstitions. Don't make us stupid. They make us human. And that's the end of the article.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's not uh, a great little piece, too. I thought it was. Yeah, really no, I, good. I, I really liked that. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't butt in more, but I just was listening. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no, sure. You're fine. Um, I I think that that's, I think that like the main thing that stuck out for me was the control aspect because that's all we're trying to do in this world is just gain just a little bit of control over what's going on around us, whether that's going through the cashier line or the self checkout or that's, or or approaching someone on the sidewalk to tell them that they cut you off. You know what I mean?
0: Like, I mean, everyone is trying to control everything around them. So it's not a surprise that, like, we're constantly into this.
1: Yeah. All I'll say about that is let it go. (laughs) Like, let it. Stress is so high in this world. I think that if we all let go of a little bit of that control, I'm not stressed. Would, not me.
0: I'm not stressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think not that me. If Shut we, up. I'm not stressed. <laughs> like just every once in a while, just look around and be like, just exist, just exist. I think you know, you'll be I, a lot
0: happier. <laughs> look, I mean, I I really do get it. You know, I I um you know for for a long time I struggled with what I thought was anxiety. And finally, I went to, and and I also struggled with friends and family and everyone going, calm down, you're so anxious, and everyone constantly telling me that I was anxious, right? And I finally went to a good therapist, not to a friend, not to somebody who was dumb, not to a bad therapist, somebody who finally said, you don't have an anxiety problem. You don't have that. And it was amazing to get help from somebody who taught me that I had, that I had at least some control over how I felt. Right. Yeah. So I can't control the world, but I can control how I feel about it and how I react to it. And I think that's part of it too. Right.
1: And so it's a a really hard thing to get to. It really is.
0: Oh, it's it. it, I mean, look, it it, it didn't happen for me until I was like 35 or actually later than that, probably 37. So, I mean, like it takes time and you know what else it takes? It takes work. But if all we do, it's, I mean, honestly, it's funny how I talk about superstitions connects back to the war in Israel, but it does. Because the more that we rely on superstitious thought and on stories and on irrational thinking, honestly, the more we see shit like what's going on in Israel right now.
1: I'm, and I'm yeah. being real about that, you know? No. You, like, you can't control it. Like, you can only control yourself. I mean it goes it goes all the way I mean even I this isn't as far back as Palestine and Israel but yeah. like uh, it goes back to like the Hatfields and the McCoys like they literally were at war those yeah. two families for so many years I don't think any of them knew why by the end they of it they didn't even know they just knew that they hated each other because they were supposed to hate each other It's really um humans are complicated <laughs> seriously <laughs> not, like, my about. god <laughs> oh. But anyway I think that will do it for our horror in real life segment. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, But we're going to go ahead and take a break and come back with a segment. We know you all enjoy. And that's what you've been watching, bitch.
2: Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
0: We're back with what you've been watching, bitch. What you been watching, you superstitious bitch? And this is the part of the show, snapping open a Coke there. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching, which is why we call it What You have Been Watching, bitch. This could be TV shows, could be movies, sometimes it's books, sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's whatever we want it to be. But anyways, Andrew's going to tell us the first thing that he has been watching. Go for it.
1: My first one is the new season of American Horror Story. We are I think 3 episodes into S- Delicate, S- season 8000. Yeah. <laughs> um this is a weird one because I I didn't I don't think I talked about it on the show, but I actually really liked um American Horror Story NYC. I thought okay. it was actually like a return to kind of like the earlier seasons of American Horror Story like I really okay. liked it. Um this season which marks the return of Emma Roberts who was like a fan favorite for for many seasons, you know. Um so I think I think starting with Coven, I think that's where she was introduced and okay. then kind of like did other seasons after that. I I really like Emma Roberts as a as an actress but you know we won't go any we won't yeah, sure, go too sure. far with that but um this season I got to tell you This feels like Blue Ball's American Horror Story because every single episode is setting up all of this mystery with literally no payoff and i understand we're only 3 episodes in but i should know where the story's going if you have if you're not watching basically the story is about a a young actress who has just gotten kind of like her fame and is like starting to be noticed in 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 new york city and like she's you know she's she's riding the wave of of fame and she gets pregnant and then it kind of is mirroring a little bit of like Rosemary's Baby type of storyline, okay. yeah. But like, there's no payoff. Isn't there? There's like, a, only, isn't there there's like only there's only
0: mystery. Isn't <laughs> like, like a like a Kardashians in it or something? Yeah, like Kim that?
1: Kardashian plays her uh, manager, okay. which she's fine. I, I she's not she's not bad. She's not great. She's just fine. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. I I don't know why they cast her in this role like like anything in this show i'm hoping it will pay off at the end of the day but like so far in i can't and listen i am an american horror story apologist i i you are there 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 are many seasons that i will like go down the drain for yeah this one just feels like it's not it it feels like they're writing it while it's happening like you know what i mean like i mean that doesn't surprise me Um, so I, unfortunately I can't recommend delicate, but if you like Emma Roberts and you want to see Kim Kardashian go for it, um, I'm, I'm still going to ride it out because I think there's only like two episodes left because it's like, and of course now Ryan Murphy is doing this stupid thing where it's American horror story part one. You know, I like, (laughs) like, I got it. I, I mean, as with everything,
0: right. I'm always happy for people to like whatever they like um yeah. i i gave up on and you know this already i gave up on yeah. ahs a long time ago because it just it lost the thread for me but if i'm being honest too like pretty much anything that ryan murphy does i just don't like it's it's <sighs> it just feels so so inauthentic and so forced in a lot of ways that i just like and sp- like even like with this like i was doing a part one i'm like oh my god How much more do you fucking need to do? And like, also could you let someone else do something for once? It kind of feels like to me, like he just, I feel like he just takes over
1: everything. Like how much more do you need to do? How much, how much more money do you need to make? I think for me, I think he has a lot of really great ideas, but he just needs a better writer's room and he just needs to like let them do their thing because he he comes up with great ideas. They very rarely at the end of the cycle of whatever he's producing pays off, you know, look fucking Murder House
0: and and especially Asylum. Asylum blew me away. It was so good. Incredible. <laughs> Murder House, also fucking fantastic. Bloody face for life. Ble- <laughs> bloody face for life, baby. I got a bloody face text from Andrew last week. It's yes, um, true. <laughs> it, it's true. He does that sometimes. Um, I would love to see more of that. Anyways, okay. Um, my first one for you uh, I'll start with the easy stuff first. Will I? Yeah, yeah. Um, I rewatched the Blair Witch Project just for fun. Oh, like um, the
1: 1990... Yeah, the original, whatever. OG, 90, yeah. what, 98 or whatever, 99? Yeah, 97, 98, 99. Somewhere, somewhere around um,
0: You know, like, I just, it was it was on demand on now or whatever. And I was like, Egh. I had nothing else to do. And like, you know that I'm not a big fan of found footage. I say that yeah. a lot. And so I was like, maybe just give it a try again, just for fun. And I've seen it, obviously, like umpteen times before. And you know what I got to tell you? On this watch, I really did like it a lot more. I had, I was relaxed with it. I had more fun with it. And you know what? On that particular day that I watched it, it was dark and stormy out and it was creepy as hell. It really was. So I I don't want you to say
1: too much because I do want to cover this movie at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. No, I, I won't say a lot. But you know, like coming back to it after a very long time, it was, it was a good watch. I was glad to watch it again. So as you're thinking about stuff to watch in your spooky season, this might be one that you bring up again. Yeah, Um, I
1: even like both sequels, but that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) so my next one is a random movie I missed. And I think a lot of people miss because I have not heard any of our queer community talking about this movie. Um, It's on free form, which you can either go on their website or you can get on demand, depending Mm -hmm. on the cable company that you have. Uh, It's called The Thing About Harry. Um, This was a interesting watch because it's kind of red, white and royal blue before red white and royal blue.
2: Oh, interesting. Um, okay.
1: So it's a basically about this guy who lives in Chicago. He has his best friend who's a girl and they're just kind of like working professionals in Chicago. And they stumble upon this guy who they're both kind of attracted to, but they kind of don't know like what, what's his deal? Like, is uh-huh. he, is he gay? Is he straight? So they're kind of like both f- trying to figure that out. And it turns out, God damn it. He's bisexual. Oh, so my God. Now, we, now we need to figure out who's, and, and he, it, he's a very charismatic guy. So, like, yeah. everyone's kind of attracted to you. Everyone, everyone knows this guy in Chicago who everyone is attracted to. But you'd have no idea why you're attracted to them. Like yeah, it's just it's a thing. And so the thing about Harry is it it's a fun movie. I'm going to say it's very bubblegum. It's okay. not. It doesn't it doesn't have like the um the sarcasm of red, white and royal blue. Uh-huh. But. I will say that it was really fun to watch, and I, 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 I'm really surprised that more of our queer content people have not been talking about it because, for this movie to be on Freeform, which I, if you know the history of Freeform, let me give you a little bit of lesson, real quick. Freeform used to be, uh, uh, Fox Family. Before that, it was. Oh, PAX, I didn't know that. Actually, okay. And Pax originally was a Christian channel. Oh God. So. The fact that Freeform now has the thing about Harry, I don't know. There's some there's some triumph okay. in that in my little queer brain. So well, I would encourage people to watch it. It's a fun little bubblegum movie. Okay. Uh, My next one is
0: uh, called The Changeling. This is not The Changeling, the movie. This is The Changeling, the TV show, which is on um, Apple TV+. (laughs)
1: Can we not come up with new names, please? I know. Because there are also, like, two movies called The Changeling. Right. Right. Um, This is a
0: brand new show. I didn't even know this was coming out. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is in it, um, who I think is really, really good. Um, You remember Lakeith Stanfield from Get Out, of course, and also from um, a bunch of other things. I think he's really, really good stuff. Um, This is like a fairy tale kind of thing, and it's about like a husband and a wife. And like she she was on this trip and she got three wishes from this like witch woman and things just happen. It's a crazy show. I've only watched Weird. an episode and a half. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. It's all I've had time for this week. Looking forward to finishing it, maybe even tonight, um, because it's it's pretty fucking good. So if you have Apple TV Plus, um, you know, I said this before, like not everything. It's kind of like Shutter in some ways, like some of the shows yeah. are good. Some of the shows are not good. But the shows that are good are they're good. Like they're really really good. And this is one of them that I think is is really good.
1: So if you have it if you can watch The Changeling I recommend. Cool. Yeah, that sounds it sounds interesting. Is it can I ask a question? Yeah. Is it filmed in like a fantasy way or is it filmed in like a real world way? Uh real
0: world but with some like elements of magical realism
1: okay all right all right my next one is something you can find on demand as well it's a documentary uh yes every once in a while i do watch a documentary but this <laughs> one is about beanie babies <laughs> so uh, i, I want to read this i want um, to i want to watch this <laughs> it's called uh the beanie bubble and it's all about the rise of ty Thai, the Thai corporation yeah and wow how it started how they came up with Beanie Babies, which if anybody that is around our age is going to yeah. remember the craze that was Beanie Babies. It was such a I weird time in life. It is so weird to think that people put their retirement on the resale of Beanie yeah. Babies. Yeah. Um, and th- it's fascinating. I didn't know it was a Chicago suburbs thing i didn't know that it started here um so it was a really it was really interesting watch um i had some beanie babies i was not part of the quote-unquote like craze um i did have some just because that's just what you did as a child Mm. of the late 90s (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) we all did like, we all had Pogs. We all had Tamagotchis and yep. or uh, Pocket Friends. We all had Beanie Babies. It's just, we we don't see this as much anymore. The toy craze has really tamed down um, as far as, like, what's popular. Yeah. But, like, back in the day, man, there were just things that every fucking Christmas, there was a like got-to-get yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And Beanie Babies just became this crazy thing, just like trading cards, where people thought, I'm going to sell these in my retirement and it's going to sail me through the rest of my life. And it is fascinating to watch the people that created this, Talk about them. So if if you if you think that that sounds like something up your alley, it's definitely a well done documentary about Beanie
2: Babies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I I need to watch that. Like,
0: um, my family we like we didn't go too crazy on the real Beanie Babies. Where when McDonald's did the Beanie Babies, my mom got nuts. The mini the mini Beanie Babies, (laughs) and like my my mom was pretty nuts about a lot of McDonald's things. Like I we I had so many McDonald's toys. I had I had a gigantic collection. Of McDonald's toys, huge collection, and um, I remember being in the car with mom. Um, I can't remember. God, it must have been I don't know, twelve or something, eleven. Um, being in the car with mom, literally going from McDonald's to McDonald's to McDonald's to McDonald's to, McDonald's to get those little bean babies, yeah. and. I also like eating all of that food too. Like yeah. it was a, it was a weird time. It was such a weird time. to Why like, were oh we know. obese children? Yeah, right. I mean like, Oh, I don't know. Probably because my mom was stuffing me with McDonald's every day of my life. Uh, maybe that's it. <laughs> Anyways, I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm glad you reminded me because I actually forgot about that. It's, it's um, actually really well done. So. I, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, my next one is a movie that I've never seen before. And I am so glad that I watched it. And it is good when a stranger calls back. I, what what is your relationship with the original when a stranger calls? I I haven't seen that either. I got to tell you, I I don't even remember. (laughs) So the reason why I watched this is because it was on, it was a movie. It was a movie. Um, and like movie is like, yeah, I talk about movie. I think almost every episode now movie does a great job with curation and like letting you know when something is new on there. Right. And so this was the featured film for like spooky season on whatever day I watched it. And I got to tell you, this movie knocked me out. I think I heard- it is. It's genius. I gave it a, a, out of five stars on Letterboxd. I gave it a five. I cannot believe how good the acting was. Cannot believe how terrifying this movie is. This movie, if you're looking for a genuinely scary movie, this motherfucker will scare you the the whole the opening sequence of this movie is it's 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 brilliant it's it's it has to be in the top ten of opening sequences it, you got to watch the original because oh, the original one is the same I will I will now because I, I tell you what this was just I and the ending like, I'm not gonna give things away but the ending of this oh my god I walked away from this just going
1: holy shit and I was shaken to the core shaken hair. to the core there i i've seen this movie as well and i i really really like it there is a specific scene where the actor is blending into the background <gasps> that terrified me to this day like oh, i still uh, think about it it is
0: insane how they made this shit happen it not yeah. me out. if you, i mean if you don't like this movie and you're a horror fan i don't know if i can
1: trust you like, I honestly, I think because it was a made for TV movie, this doesn't get talked about enough because uh, it is it really should. good
0: because I, I like I, I cannot talk enough about this. It is absolutely in fucking incredible. Yeah. Agreed.
1: I love that movie. Maybe we should try to work it into the show. Somehow. I would
0: love to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um all right my last one is on hulu it just came out on friday it is rl stein's zombie town um listen anybody that that has listened to the show for long enough knows that i was in rl stein goosebumps to fear street to christopher pike to it's just my childhood i read Every single day, these stupid little books, and I'm going back and reading them again. I'm currently on the the Night trilogy, so. Um, but Zombie Town, uh, I, I have not read this one. I think it's a newer, a newer release from R.L. Stein. Uh, the basic premise is that uh, Dan Aykroyd actually plays a filmmaker who has had a series of really successful zombie movies and he's been in retirement for 30 years and he's finally coming back to release a movie, but he's only going to show it in his hometown at his home theater. And the whole premise is that the movie that he's showing is going to turn everybody in the town into zombies. Yes. Um. Listen, this is, this is beginner horror. This is hocus pocus. This is that kind of okay. Show your twelve year old this movie. We and need probably, those. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I mean, if we're gonna if we're going if we're going to get a whole new generation into horror, you can't just go in guns a blazing with like fucking yeah. ten thousand corpses. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, all don't this.
0: don't show him when a stranger calls back. That's yeah. not a good idea. <laughs> you know?
1: But if you but if you can get them in on something like Zombie Town, I think yeah. that's really fun. And 100%. honestly, like for me, like I I don't have like a threshold. Like I I can watch beginner horror. I can watch gross out horror. Like yeah. I don't I I mean I'm gonna enjoy it to certain lengths that w- whatever it is. Of but course. like I can get enjoyment out of literally almost anything horror so like a whole hey andrew a hole's a hole you know I mean? yeah seriously <laughs> <laughs> um but i just thought that this was really fun it's a fun little like i i love when hulu does their they call it huluween which i think is hilarious oh how cute but um i just thought that this was really fun so if you're looking for something that's like entry horror to maybe show like a teen, like a preteen or whatever. I think that, that. Is, a, is a good, is a good thing. I'll
0: have to ask my brother if my nephew watched this. Um, my final one is one that I was looking forward to seeing. Um, it is the new exorcist, the mm. exorcist believer. So very wanna,
1: divided on the internet.
0: Yeah. So I want to tell you a couple things first, right? First of all, lighthouse cinema that I go to religiously um, did not show this movie. So I had to go see it at fucking really? yeah. I'm I'm honest, Like I'm honestly, if no one that's in the No one is listening to this from the lighthouse. But if they if they were, I would say you know what? Can you not fucking do that in the future for a very important film like this? You show so much other horror, and you just chose not to do this. And so I had to go see it at fucking Cineworld in town. And let me tell you, I don't like going to movie theaters like that. It's not my thing. They're gross. The clientele sucks. People talk. It's I, it's like I, it makes me upset that I had to go see it in that theater.
1: Please but I see went... our last episode. Movie theaters are terrifying.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but I went fine and I booked the time and I didn't realize when I was booking it because it's a fucking stupid theater that I went to um, that I was booking a 4DX viewing. <laughs> 4DX, if you've not done this before, is basically like being on a roller coaster for the entire oh, movie. No. So not only – like the, the first thing that happened was like I sat down and I was already like not – I was not having a great day that day. It was just – it wasn't a good day for me. It's like some things happened. I didn't wake up in a good mood. I was pretty pissed off. But I sit down in this chair uh, and it's uh, it's not very comfortable, to be honest. And the movie starts. I'm like, fine, whatever. And then, like, a puff of air hits my ear. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And then I'm like, oh, it's going to be this. This is what's going to happen. Oh, (laughs) no. So, fucking, like, I mean, fucking the seat is moving, going side to side, going up in the air, going down, rumbling. Like, there's smoke coming out of the screen. There's flashes. And there's fucking, like, water vapor and wind and i was like oh my god and i already i wasn't feeling good and i was like what have i done what have i done what have i done anyways i actually was able to put that aside believe it or not but let me tell you do not go to see a 4dx movie it's very (laughs) fucking stupid so i watched the exorcist and you know fans know the exorcist is my favorite uh horror film of all time I'm not a big part two can fuck off part three. I'm not really that big a fan of, but I, I understand it's, it's, it's good things about it. Didn't really watch the TV show and the other sequels were not up my alley. The ones with I got to tell you, whatever his I got to tell
1: you, you should watch the
0: first season of the TV show. It's I might, really, I might, it's I really might revisit it. I might, I might revisit. So the exorcist believer, I've got a few things to say about this. If you don't mind, I'm going to go on for just a minute here because it's such an important movie, right? Um, strong elements, right? I mean, you've got a great cast. You've got Leslie Odom Jr. You've got Ann Dowd, for God's sake. Norbert Leo Butts shows up in this movie. And Ellen Burstyn is in this movie, right? So like that shit alone be good enough. You've got the opportunity to branch off of one of the best films ever made. There you go. you got a good director, David Gordon Green. Whether you like Halloween or not, he's a good director. And so that's why I was really surprised that this film just went into mediocrity pretty quickly. And, you know, there are a lot of good things about this movie, but the thing about the original Exorcist that works so well is that the Exorcist is so believable, even if you're not a religious person, right? It is so well-researched. It's so well-written. It's a precise knowledge of theology, of church canon, of the ritual itself. It goes into family dynamics that are really incredible. It examines the life of a priest that is on the edge. And it invites the viewer to really examine their own beliefs and consider just why it's such a scary movie in the first place, right? And so Believer, the new one, it actually does an okay job on the family part of it. And I won't tell you what that is, but it goes into some interesting stuff. I was like, oh, okay, that kind of works. The part where this movie fails is in the exorcism itself. And that's not a spoiler. If you don't know there's going to be an exorcism in this, you should go get your head (laughs) checked. So, like, look. The exorcism should be the part that works the best and it's the part that works the worst. And so this isn't going to give anything away, I promise you, but like in the exorcism itself, this movie tries to like show a multicultural view of exorcism. And so it's like this tradition, that tradition, that tradition, that tradition, and they all kind of come together to do it. And what it winds up being is a group of people who have no idea what the fuck they're doing. And so it just, it's it's almost like, cringe worthy if i'm being hmm. honest when, when you hmm. watch it and it just doesn't make any sense you know I, I think that the film does have some good things like i i don't think it's as bad as everyone is saying i really don't and yeah, i the internet, internet hates this movie. you know you know what though look uh, i and I, I i love the people that i'm talking about right now even but some people if our friends included on twitter on horror twitter love to go see something and immediately shit on it as fast as they can so that they can get the clever bit out there. I'm sorry, yeah, but, but that I, is I, fucking true. It's and true. If, and if you're listening to this and you're offended, I don't really fucking care because you guys do that. You as soon as you're out that movie theater, before you even leave, your ass is on your phone going <laughs> like you know what? No one cares. Right? Like please. It's not it's like our, our opinions, mine included, are not that important. I think people went overboard in how they hate this movie. I don't think it's my favorite one, don't get me wrong. I don't want to really see it again. But look, there are some good things in here. And I think that the family dynamics of it mostly are what are what you might want to watch it for. And also, like this fuck, this could be Alan Burson's last movie. Like, but yeah. she is old as Methuselah. So like I gotta be honest, it was lovely to see her again. Um, the writing's not that great for her, but you know, she's <laughs> awesome and it's great to see her. The kids in this movie are really good. The two girls like that's a hard fucking shit to play. Leslie Odom Jr. was really, I mean, once again, bad writing, but I think he did a great job, you know, so good things and there are bad things. I'll leave it to you to decide, Um, but don't believe everyone on the Internet. Go in and make an informed opinion yourself.
1: Yeah, I do eventually want to see this. It's just not top of my list just because I don't know. and, And honestly, if you don't see it in the theater, Andrew, you'll you'll be fine. Okay, that's good to know. Um, Truly. Because it'll probably be out by Halloween at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like,
0: like honestly, if you wanted to, fine, but I don't think it's going to be anything more special than, like, being with your good TV in your living room. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's good to hear because I was starting to get a little bit dejected that, like, I, was I like, am I going to watch this movie? So it's good to hear that there are good things in it that you yeah, like really liked. I but agree. I want to issue you a challenge, though, and I really, really think you should watch the first season of the show because i, I will. think yeah, i, I will. think as a as a legacy person that loves the original exorcist you will get a great payout at the end of it
0: you Just know I, I i think i remember watching like the first episode and i remember you both talking about how good it was and i think it was one of those things where like i maybe i was moving or maybe like you just I, you lost like, it. Yeah. you know, like, you know, like when something happens and then you just you honestly forget about a show. I think of that's course. what happened for me.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for what you've been watching, bitch. Maddie brought us The Blair Witch Project, which I think is on Shutter right now, but I'm sure you can find it in many different places. Uh, The Changeling on Apple TV Plus, When a Stranger Calls Back, which he watched on Mubi, uh, and The Exorcist, Believer, which is currently in
0: cinemas. And Andrew brought us American Horror Story, uh, Delicate, which where do you even watch that now? Uh, you can watch it on FX or if you have AMC+. Plus. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Thing About Harry on Freeform, The Beanie Bubble on Demand, and R.L. Stein's Zombie Town on Hulu. So that does it for another edition of What You've Been Watching, Bitch. Take a little break here. We'll be right back with our first film of the episode, Friday the 13th, Part 3.
2: Weekends are a good time to escape to the woods. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Because 13 is an unlucky number. But out here, so are 1 through 12. Because these are Jason's woods. And nobody leaves them alive. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Jason, you can't fight him. You can't stop him. And now, you can't even keep him on the screen. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. Now, when it comes to killing in Jason's woods, Jason will come to you. Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D. A new dimension in terror. It will scare you. It's
0: Friday the 13th today. The day of this podcast coming out, and it's Friday the 13th, the movie. (laughs) That's so stupid. Part three. Andrew, just tell us about the movie, please
1: a new dimension in terror an idyllic summer turns into a nightmare of unspeakable terror for yet another group of naive friends visiting a cabin near crystal lake ignoring camp crystal lake's bloody legacy one by one they fall victim to the maniacal jason who stalks them at every turn Uh, a little bit of we'll talk about that that description but doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's fine. Uh, directed by Steve Miner. Written by Martin Katrazer and Carol Watson. Production company and distribution was handed by Paramount Pictures, famously. Chris is played by Dana Kimmel. we got to say her full name. Chris Higgins is played by Dana Kimmel. Uh, Rick is played by Paul Kratka. Yeah, that makes sense. Debbie is played by Tracy Savage. Andy is played most beautifully by jeffrey rogers vera is played by Catherine parks Shelley is played by larry Zerner. chuck is played by david Kadams chili is played by rachel howard and jason is basically in this in this version is played by richard Rooker. Bruker, sorry uh radar uh released on august 13th of 1982 comes in at perfect time 95 minutes Mm -hmm. locations are in santa clarita california the budget on this one was only 2.2 million um which we'll talk about because that's really small for what these movies were bringing in at this point which also i'm just going to say this really quick is the exact budget for part four as well and it made 37 million dollars so Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, we've covered Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and the original. You can go back in our in our little catalog and find those if you will. So we are on Part Three, Maddie. What are your initial thoughts? And have you seen this before? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Um, the answer is yes.
0: Uh, okay, so fr- Friday the Thirteenth Part Three is a movie that uh, it it it's like it it's like it's like different parts of the movie. I. It's why can't I think of what I'm trying to say here? It's like I don't like it and then I like it and then I don't like it and then I like it. Right. I get it. Yeah. And like the the initial parts of it, I think like the thing that I really don't like about this movie is the gimmicky part of it that is made for 3D. Like yeah, I just any, and I'm sure it was fun when it came out. I've never seen it in 3D before. I don't know if you have. You can
1: but, come to my house and watch it in 3D if you would
0: like. But do you have like the like a way to like see it in 3D?
1: Yeah, so I bought the box set of Friday uh-huh. the 13th uh, many years ago when it okay. came out, and it came with two sets of 3 glasses. See. Okay, gotcha. There you go.
0: So you know, I, I've never watched it that way, and I'm sure when it came out in 1982, you know, the week before I was born, for God's sake. I bet people had a blast with it and it was fun and it was a summer thing and cool and all the rest of it. Um, Watching it now out of that context, the parts of it that are specifically made for 3D, they rule the scene. And I think that that's just why it takes you out of it. And And I'm not even saying that it's bad. It's just like
1: there's not a way for me to enjoy it in that context. And so, well, yeah, like, I can tell you there's, there's even at, and this is when it really stuck out to me is yeah. at the very beginning when we have our two couples that run the general store mm-hmm. and he's going to fix the, uh, the clothing, um, line. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he he looks directly into the camera to make sure that like the, the stick is like perfectly in the camera. So I I get like, it takes you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's,
0: there, there's just no way around that. Right. And so like, look, if I, if I'm watching this casually, maybe I don't care, but the reality is you and I have a podcast about horror movies. And so we're watching it and taking notes and like trying to be a little more critical than just the casual viewer. Right. so, there's no way to escape it, and that's that. That just is what it is. Now, that part I don't like. Done. I start to really love the movie once the murders really start coming, and once the, once the 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 slashing just kind of goes down the line, and they all basically die. Then I really enjoy it because <laughs> I love murder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, it just it be, it becomes the slasher that it is supposed to be, and like even the parts of it that are 3D. There, I kind of don't. Uh, maybe I just don't even I'm not paying attention to it anymore so I'm I'm more in the movie then right so it's like this weird um two-sided thing that I'm on when I watch this because I hate that part of it and then I like the part of it where it just finally gets going um I think that this movie like you know I was thinking about Friday the 13th in general and I was like You know, pretty much every entry in the series is, like, all archetype characters, right? It's just, like, Mm -hmm. they're, like, you know, the nerd, the punk, the bimbo, the jock, the whatever. And I just started to think, and, like, this is not going to be some kind of new thought. I'm quite sure. I'm not the first one to think this. But, like, I I was thinking, like, huh, like... You could watch that and go, ah, oh, that's kind of cheap and stupid. Or you could go, you know, it's like it's almost like a fable, it's almost like a campfire story, and maybe that's why it works. You know what I mean? Are like these archetypes like that that are easy to understand, and I and I I mean that in a good way. Like the archetypes actually work here, and they and they do work. You know, like I think it's it's interesting. Like when you first meet Shelley, Shelley is just like such a nerd archetype like he's chubby and he's got a he's got a big fro and like he's just sort of a nerd and he likes to play jokes and like you sort of write him off but i mean Shelley is an integral part of the Friday the 13th story without Shelley we don't get the hockey mask mm-hmm. and without Shelley like i mean shit doesn't happen like it, it's he's sort of an incredible character when you think about it and the amount of fat shaming this person has to go through can mm-hmm. we stop fat shaming shelly please my
1: god i i think the hate for shelly is unwarranted if we, if i'm oh. being honest that that's there, stupid there's there's so many I, and i've listened to countless podcasts talk about mm-hmm. because everyone covers friday the 13th listen things you're gonna hear today they're probably not original but yeah, <laughs> we're we're right. trying no, nothing is and and i i i'm really sympathetic to shelly because i feel like he's just trying to get by the way he knows how and he's just trying to make it work and everyone around him is just countless countlessly just like making fun of him and making yeah. him feel bad about himself and so like as like being like the the nerdy chubby one growing up i felt for shelly sorry uh, yeah and like you know look the, it, it's it's all explained when he
0: comes out of the water after grabbing uh what vera yeah i I am so bad with that i will not be good with the names today i'm just saying that when he grabs her leg and he comes out and she's like oh you're such a jerk whatever and he says being a jerk is better than being a nothing and that's because that's how everyone treats him and so like i mean the 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 skinny dipping thing actually i made me so sad it like i mean it but it it, i think it genuinely makes me and you sad who were chubby kids right and Mm -hmm. so like if you weren't that then you don't know the terror of taking off your shirt in front of other children. It was awful because you got made fun of immediately. Right. So like, look, I mean, I'm I'm going a little bit overboard on Shelly. I I realize because people are like, geez, Shelly stand over here. But I mean, (laughs) it's true though. Um, Some things that I was thinking about, like, uh, well, no, no, no. I'll, I'll leave it at that as like my, just my initial reactions. And we can talk about more details as, as we go.
1: Yeah, so obviously this is not my first time seeing this movie. Um, This is actually I I mean, listen, I think my ranking, just like when we ranked the screen movies, it changes constantly, like depending on where I'm at in life and when I've watched proximity to watching the movie. Yeah, it's right up there. Like this is top five of these movies for me. Um, I think all the characters are really likable. I think Chris Higgins gives jason a run for his money yeah, more than big anybody else yeah um i think that um andy is the literally cutest guy in any of these movies um i think rick is the stiffest actor i've ever seen in my <laughs> <Fucking> life <laughs> big time yes um but and then i think that chuck and chili look like they're about double the age of anybody else here but yeah, uh <laughs> that, is, that is that is absolutely true uh, but overall i think that friday the 13th part three i i love these first four movies because they're so sequential and the reason i said something about our that's plot a good summary, point yeah uh, the reason i said something about our, our our plot summary is that they're like oh naive friends visiting a yeah, cabin sure. near crystal lake these movies happen within like a week of like yeah. of of each other like yeah. it doesn't it's it's not they it, didn't know it, what was going on when so, they were going out to the cabin.
0: Just, just, just one little thing to interject there. So whenever we do the worksheets for, for our episodes, I always take the descriptions from Letterboxd because I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. usually they are the best descriptions. This one, I actually noticed, I mean, I, I actually edited it just a little bit before the show with, with the time that I had. And I reported the one that is on uh, Letterboxd, which I'm just going to read it to you real quick if you don't mind. Okay. So Friday the 13th, part three, a new dimension in terror An idyllic summer turns into a nightmare of unspeakable terror for yet another group of naive counselors ignoring Camp Crystal Lake's bloody legacy, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I actually, I finally found the, the, like the little button to report it to Letterboxd and I said, uh, can you change it? They're not counselors and also it doesn't take place at Camp Crystal Lake. No, what are you doing? Like I, I'm actually for Letterboxd, I'm really disappointed to be, if, if I'm being real
1: and um sorry that that's real i'm glad you did that because like that that's really irresponsible and i know that that sounds stupid from people that are talking about a slasher movie but (laughs) but (laughs) i don't know you're a fucking film website get it right yeah um i i love the uh the the, where they're at at higgins haven i think that all the set devices are really paid off really well yeah i agree from from the barn to the house to the even the van i just think that they pay off everything really well in this movie. Um, I think that Debbie is may Debbie and Vera. I think are maybe the most likable people that get killed in these movies. I agree uh, of almost all time. <laughs> um, and I, I, I. Th- so the one thing I will say, those are my initial thoughts. Let's get into kind of maybe what we think is a little weird about the movie. The first thing that is weird. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the first thing that is weird. <laughs> yeah. So beyond like, so let's, let's, let's take the 3d of it all kind of. Out yeah, of the sure, picture, sure. Cause we kind of talked about that. There are some weird lens things that I, I won't get into because, I watched this on Blu-ray so you can see a lot of like, there's like a hair on the lens. Or, yeah. like, it's, it, and it's, and it's all because if you, if, if you watch Chris Lake memories, the documentary about this, you know that this was a special camera that was used to film only this movie. Like it was a special 3d camera. So they kind of had to work with what they had to work with essentially. Um, so like taking that all out of it, there are a couple things that I just need to talk about. One is why do we have the subplot of Debbie being pregnant? I don't know. It it does not make any sense. And I'm sorry. I wrote, I wrote in my notes. I said, if that girl in a bikini is pregnant, then I'm having triplets because yeah, real. she is a tiny person. Qu- quadruplets over here. Um, And I, 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 that always takes me out of it when I'm watching this movie, because not only they say that she's pregnant a couple of times, and then they also, when Andy is doing his whole handstand thing, she's oh my like, God. Uh, and she's like, he's like, do you want a beer? She's like, yeah, I'll take a beer. And I'm like, you're pregnant though. Like, I don't. And Later, then eventually, I... she, eventually um, she does I, I, say, I like, I won't well,
0: have that beer. I'll yeah. forget
1: about that beer. Yeah. But like, yeah, it just, I, I wish they would not have put that in the movie because it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Um, My favorite thing that I've read about Andy is this. And it's on, you know, I love letterbox reviews and there's a really popular one for this movie. And it says, if this is from uh, Letitia Fernandez, Letitia says, if some dude was walking around the house on his hands all the time, I'd also kill him. (laughs) And I agree. And let me tell you, when Andy gets killed, dude gets done dirty. And I I actually, I I wrote down in my notes, like I I kept writing, oh, he got done dirty too. He got done dirty with a machete to the crotch. But you know what? I mean, perhaps it's, if it's, you weren't walking on your hands, you would have been able to see the killer that is behind you.
1: It's the original terrifier.
0: <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> right. I will say I, some other things about, about stuff, right? It's about like little details. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Shelly's playing a joke. He gets the wetsuit on so he can go into the water. Well, I don't know why you need the wetsuit, but okay, cool. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit overboard, but there you are. Why the hell he have a harpoon? <laughs> like what? And also, can I, can I just say this? Who on Crystal Lake? Like you're not in the fucking ocean. You're in Crystal no. Lake. Who? What the fuck? You gonna harpoon? Why? You getting, there, some, you getting some bluegills over here. Right? Like, <laughs> what, what, why do you have a harpoon there in the first place? And why the fuck Shelley got one? Like you could. He could have done the joke without the harpoon. Now I love me some Shelley. But you did yourself dirty having that harpoon, buddy. Agreed. <laughs> but there are a lot of questionable things in that barn that I don't know why they're there. But <laughs> also, let me ask you this question, because you're you're far more of an expert on Friday the 13th than, than I ever will be.
1: How old is Jason in this movie? So there's kind of like two schools of thought there. There's kind of the thought that, you know, when Jason was killed, they show him in the first movie that he was a certain age. And then like, so there there's two thoughts. I, and I think that there was one thought that he's around like 25. Okay. And then there's a thought that he's like 45. Like it's it's kind of. He definitely, he on the 45 side here,
0: because I'll tell you what, another one I put down really, really quick was he looked too old because when you, you see like when he gets the mask after the Shelly thing, right? And you can see old hands, uh, old, old hands. And you can see the back of his damn head. And like, I get it. Like it's Jason. I get it.
1: But like, he looks very old. Yeah. And, um, I I did want to ask you one thing. I wanted mm-hmm. to get your perspective on this because mm-hmm. I've kind of gone back and forth on this. As many times as I've watched this movie, I've gone back and forth on what I think is going on here. So we have uh the date that Rick mm-hmm. and Chris go on, which he takes her to a storm drain. I'm like sounds wow, like fun. Romantic, Rick. A hole's um, a hole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and she ends up telling him what happened to her when yeah. you know, years back. And she basically tells a story about how she was really pissed off at her parents because her mom hit her and her parents were really awful to her. So she ran away for the night to like kind of give them a lesson to like, hey, you should care about me more. Yeah. And she spends the night in the woods. And that's where she's attacked by Jason. What I what I find very uh, frustrating about this story is that she goes through this whole rigmarole of, of telling the story. And then at the end of it, she just goes, and then I woke up in my bed. I blacked out. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um. So are we to believe that Jason raped her or not? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I,
0: because we only get that bit of it and then we only get the bit, you know, near the end where she goes, It's you um i i I just don't know you know i i think too there's there the the film could have gotten there a little faster right yeah so i mean this doesn't happen until i mean how long in the movie do you think that that scene is i think it's like an hour in to an hour and a half i mean like an hour in for a critical part of the story for one of the characters is it's, it's that's that might be too far bro you know what i mean like I and I'm not saying it has to happen in the first five minutes, but you know the the things where she is feeling uncomfortable, she's not sure what she wants yet. She I want to get to know you more. I think that those things are probably the clues to tell us that she was at least sexually assaulted or something like that. See, that's what I think too. But I mean, you know, we're never going to know because they never say. Yeah. Um. Another thing, but, but I, it is it is just to you know stay on that for a moment. It does add. It, it adds a, a far more sinister dimension to Jason. To Jason, right? yeah. I mean, instead of just being, you know, a, a supernatural killer that you can't kill, he's also a fucking rapist. Like, that's... Well,
1: it and right. it, gives, it gives Jason sexuality, because... Yeah, interesting point, yeah. We don't have that, really. Like, he's not in it for the girls, you know what I mean? Like, but this shows maybe... He does have some proclivities, uh, which is. What interesting. What do you think about that? Um, I I I mean, I've always read it that way, but I've also heard a lot of people just kind of be like, "Oh, whatever, it doesn't matter." You know oh, what I, I mean? mean? What What, what do you, What do you personally think
0: about that choice for the movie, though?
1: I think it's an interesting addition to a villain that we don't get too much about at the at the end of the yeah. day, and I think yeah. it does give him for for basically so when we when we think about Jason and especially in this movie, and we'll talk about it in the next movie too, but he's labeled as like a mongoloid like a, a, yeah. a def- like a just like a horrible awful looking person, yeah, and that's all we kind of get about jason he's he's out for revenge and he's deformed, and yeah. I think that giving him a little bit more, we do get a little bit of it in uh, in um part two where we get a little bit more about the mom and the relationship between him and his mom and why he's doing this. Yeah. But I think giving him another dimension of actual like, you know, whether, whether you think it's, you know, it is bad that if he, if he sexually assaulted Chris, but it does give him another dimension that we can latch on to, If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I, it's, you know, I, I just, I haven't, I haven't thought about this for a while. And
0: it's, and, you know, J- Jason wouldn't be like my favorite, killer you know like mm-hmm, i'd mm-hmm. say michael myers probably is and like i'm, I'm trying to think like how how wild that would be if michael myers got sexuality you know what i mean mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is it is
1: really crazy to think about it changes the whole dynamic it's crazy yeah um some funny things that i wrote down um uh, I forget what her I think her name is Julie. They only say it like one time in the movie, but it's the yeah. stoner girl, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I, I I love her part when she discovers everybody died that is <laughs> that is dead. Um, I I did hear in the documentary that she was very sick that day. And so she probably wasn't doing her best acting, but her running around that cabin just going, they're all dead. Andy, you're dead. <laughs> and then she gets stabbed in the stomach by the fire poker. I just yes. that sequence cracks me up every single time because <laughs> she just is running around doing her thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh final chase scene because okay. I think that in this Friday the 13th, it strikes the right balance of being. Um, stalker, but also fighting back, but That's also wild. not, but also not being too long because yeah. we'll talk about the next movie. But this this chase sequence, I think, is like perfection. Um, I think Chris Higgins gives the best fight of her life in she in does. this um, from rolling up the window, <laughs> which also I have like a childhood terror of getting my fingers in in the window, so uh-huh. like, <laughs> like with that roller thing. So like that was part of it i um, from her realizing that she has a reserve gas tank. She's a smart girl; like she's yeah. smart, and you don't see that all that much in these movies. I mean, we have um, Amy Steele from Part Two. She's obviously psychologically smart, but maybe not as physically smart sure. as Chris Higgins. Yeah. I think that Chris gives Jason a run for his money. She fucking yeah. hangs the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like who would think to do that? I, I, I do have in my notes. I don't know how he survives being hanged like that. Um, I, but how it, he survive all this shit. I like, come on. Um, uh, that is one of my favorite parts though, is where he, uh, shows her his face and she's like, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love her reaction in that moment. I, I think Chris Higgins is probably my favorite final girl of the friday the 13th movies um I, I,
0: I really enjoyed the part where they bring her out of the house and yeah. and, and walk her to yeah, the the, the where she's literally out whatever. of her mind yeah. and um i wrote down um that's how i feel most days when i'm walking <laughs> out of my house if i'm being real anyways um i think it's just it's really well done and I, she plays it to a t and uh you know the little dream sequence just before that with you know Pam Voorhees coming out of the water and shit with the fucking worms and coming out of her fucking head skull. Just that's crazy shit. And then right before that, I wrote down Jason needs to relax. Like, <laughs> could you just like when he comes out that house, seeing her in the water in the canoe, I'm like, Oh, could you just, what if you just didn't do this right now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you could not do this. Oh, one thing I thought it was really funny and it, it, it's duplicated in the next movie, but it's really funny when Chris is freaking out when the wind is like blowing all the doors open and the windows yeah. open and everything. And she goes, Rick, help me. And then Jason throws Rick through the window, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> That's great. Um, I also,
0: I, I, I do like how, like, if you think about it, it's like, he's so petty. <laughs> J- Jason is petty and he's also like the best comedian ever. Like he knows yeah. he, he has the perfect timing for everything.
1: Yeah. Um. One thing I did have in my notes that I thought maybe Wes Craven picked up on for Scream is there's the part where Chris is, it's right before what I was just talking about, where she's running around looking for Rick, okay. and she has this moment where she walks outside and is like, Rick, Rick, and just off of her peripheral, you see Jason holding Rick like it's silencing him and he's like, and he's kind of like kicking his leg out, trying to get her <laughs> attention. And I was like, Oh, that's the original drew Barrymore like yelling at her parents to help. Yeah. Her. Like, you know, it was kind of like very mimicky of, of that. So I thought that that was an interesting note to have. Interesting. Um, I think for me, the only thing that I don't like about this specific entry and we see it echoed a lot in these movies is, I don't need a 5 minute sequence of the of the second movie at no. the beginning. I don't. I, I actually that that
0: whole sequence is discombobulating if I'm being like, honest. Like
1: trust your audience to Bingo. understand where we're at in the timeline. That's all I'll say. That's the that's like one of my big dings. Uh apart from some of the uh, 3D things that you talked about, obviously that really are just like a sore thumb in in the in the yeah. filmmaking process. Um however, I do enjoy watch it, watching Andy play with his yo-yo. So, there it Andy. is <laughs> Andy is Andy
0: is sexy. He is sexy. He's so cute. <laughs> he's 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 very cute. You know, it's like it, I know we're gonna talk about it in the next one, of course, but like I wish that Crispin Glover could have been that cute in part four because yeah. I think Crispin Glover is so cute, but his character is weirdo. So, it's so fucking annoying. Like it's it's, um, it's not cute.
1: I, I, and I think what makes for me, I think what makes Andy even more sexy is how nice he is to Shelly and he how is. nice he yeah. is to Debbie. Like, he's just like a nice guy. And you don't see that very often in people that, you know, are just going to be dispatched one by one. Just why also,
0: Why do they have to walk on his hands? Why? Well, it's, just his, it's his party trick. You know but, what? It, it reminds me of um, I have a gym in my complex here. And um, I haven't been there forever, but when I did go um, there, would I would run on the treadmill and like there's weights around there too. And there's like this big, huge bodybuilder guy that lives here. And like, I don't know, he's from fucking like Russia or some shit. He's like doing gymnastics and that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like this guy constantly does handstands all the time. <laughs> and he does a handstand right behind the treadmill. And I cannot tell you as somebody who's like running on the treadmill, how incredibly annoying it is to have somebody right behind you doing a head a fucking handstand it's very and discombobulating I'm, oh it's <laughs> awful and so i'm watching this movie i'm watching andy you know who i'm thinking of that fucking guy and so i'm thinking the whole time i hope you dead i hope i, I want you to get killed right now that's how it felt <laughs> to me. I, hell, I can't stand this guy Ugh.
1: Two other things really quick and then we'll grade the we'll grade the the movie sure um i andy does have the typical i'll be right back line just wanted to throw that out there um i think it's funny that debbie is reading a fangoria all about steve Minor. it's it's so funny who is the actual effects uh, (laughs) it's it it is a like a meta moment which i think is appreciated in these in these movies that are very um in these movies that are very surface level i think that it's funny to have like those little those little moments um a couple trivia things for you too that, that i thought were really interesting um, I
0: did not know this. The, the, I, I know that Henry, Henry Manfredini did, did the music, of course. Uh, but the theme was included on releases of the film's soundtrack. And according to Manfredini, became popular at gay clubs at the time.
1: Well, if you remember, for the first 50 episodes of this podcast, we true. used that music in our opener. We did. Um, I just didn't know it was going to be so popular for,
0: for people that love to dance. It's like
1: Disco people. Jason. Come
0: yeah, on. True. true. Um, another thing, too, I guess the decision to dress Jason in his signature hockey mask occurred during a lighting check on set. Um, the film's 3D effects supervisor, Martin Sadoff, was a hockey fan and supplied a Detroit Red Wings goaltender mask to Steve Miner which
1: became the iconic mask for all time
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: there are 12 kills in this movie uh if you count jason which he doesn't die because obviously we're about to talk about part four but if you count jason there's 13 so i thought that that was <gasps> interesting. interesting how about that um i don't know why these girls always want to get in canoes at the end of these fights i but, literally um... wrote down in my <laughs> notes we back in a canoe y'all yeah <laughs> But it is what it is. Maddie. what do you give Friday the 13th part three out of seven stripes for the gay old rainbow? Part three, I give it four stripes.
0: And I said, eye popping. You know what I mean? Ha, 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 ha,
1: I said, while there are some weird camera tricks and some stiff acting from Rick, specifically, <laughs> I, I do love Chris Higgins and I love the fight that she gives Jason. I'm going to give this a five and a half. Well, there you go. Folks, that does it for Friday the 13th Part 3, but never fear, we're
0: back with Part 4 in just a moment.
2: times before you have felt the terror known the madness lived the horror but this is the one you've been screaming for friday the 13th the final chapter jason is back he moves like a shadow, dark and silent. Now you change your mind? He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. Where the hell does the the He simply, mindlessly, <laughs> mercilessly <laughs> kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason's unlucky day.
1: All right, we're no longer at Higgins Haven. We're going to go take a little sidestep over and visit the Jarvis family in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason's back. And this is the one you've been
0: screaming for. After the Crystal Lake Massacres, Jason is pronounced dead and taken to the hospital morgue, where he is mysteriously revived, allowing his diabolical killing spree to continue at the camp where the gruesome slaughtering began. But this time, in addition to terrified teenagers, he meets a young boy named Tommy, who has a special talent for horror masks and makeup, leading up to a horrifying, bloody battle. Has Jason finally met his match? Friday the 13th, the final chapter, was directed by Joseph Zito, written by Barney Cohen. Uh, Once again, Paramount Pictures. Uh, Trish is played by Kimberly Beck. Tommy by Corey Feldman. uh, Rob by E. Eric Anderson. Sarah by Barbara Howard. Doug by Peter Barton. Jimmy by Crispin Glover. Paul by Alan Hayes, Samantha Judy Aronson, Tina and Terry were played by Camilla and Carrie Moore, Ted played by Lawrence uh, Monison, must be Um, Jason played by Ted White, um, although he was not credited for it. Um, The film is rated R, 91 minutes, uh, obviously from America. Uh, we didn't write down the location. I think it's also Santa Clarita, to be honest. Uh, came out April 13th, 1984. Same budget for this film, $2.2 million, and made about the same at $33 million. Andrew, your
1: thoughts? So the final chapter, which I think a lot of people give a little bit of like, because it's called the final chapter. It actually is the final chapter in this story. So you know what? Everyone that poo poo makes sense. The, yeah, on. it it is because we don't pick up later until like te, I think it's like right. ten years later with Tommy Jarvis. I um, just wanted to get that out of the way because it does bug me when people, yeah, are sure. like, Oh, it's not really the final chapter, and I'm like, well, for this story, it is. Um, I really like this movie. I think that it's a, a fitting end to this kind of like part of the of the depiction of of, of Friday the Thirteenth and of uh, Jason um i don't think it's as strong as part three if i'm totally being honest i think there are way too many characters uh that we can't really sink our teeth into anybody because there's just so many of them um i think that this is jason at his meanest i think that he is fucking angry in this movie and it kind of shows in the way that he Mm, kills people yeah um i think that this is one of the more gruesome entries into friday the 13th um and i i have fun with this one i have a lot of issues especially with the family unit and that we don't get a satisfying conclusion for for that unit we'll talk about it in a little bit sure um but Overall, I have a lot of fun with this. I think that it's really cool that we bring Rob into the mix uh, because he echoes back to part two because he's Sandra's brother when he's out there looking for her. I think okay. that that's a nice little callback. Um, overall, I have fun with this movie. I will talk about the issues that I have in things to come, but overall, a nice little ending to a quad- quadrility, if nice. you will. What about you?
0: yeah um i feel you know the same really i i I think um part four is uh it is interesting because like i just think there's some stuff that we could do without if i'm being honest and like one of them right off the bat is the doctor at the beginning uh yeah
1: after axel or whatever his fucking name was i love that nurse though i love all the shit she gives Axel.
0: nurse, nurse is great but the the doctor is just like I, I was thinking about like why do, why are we making these choices, and like you know I, I I get it's like archetypes and everything else, but at the same time I was just like he when you meet the doctor he is carrying this sandwich that must have so much mayonnaise on it or or whatever that it's like literally dripping off. Well, we get the classic and- corner that can't stop eating. <laughs> oh, it's just it's so it's so gross and it set, set it down on the body and talking about like the girl being cute and I'm just like. The, the doctor is just so gross. And, like, wh- wh- who's eating that much mayo on a sandwich? And is he jacking off to Jazzercise? Like, it's just every everything about him is just so gross. And, like, I get it. I guess that makes him easier to kill. We want him dead. You know, whatever. But I just... I just thought,
1: I don't know why that bothered
0: me so much, but it really bothered me. My favorite
1: um, line, my favorite line in the opening kind of sequence in the hospital yeah. is when the nurse looks at Axel and she says, Axel, you are the Super Bowl of self-abuse.
0: Yes, <laughs> totally. Right. Um, and God, when she has, when she starts to have sex with him, I'm like, why are you going to have sex with this disgusting person? Yeah. Um, and also when he jumps up and says jumping Christmas. Oh my God. I just, I hated him. <laughs> um, so thank God, thank God he was dead. Um, I So I think that uh, the, the film has a lot going for it. Um, I think Corey Feldman is fantastic in this. This is probably the most star-studded cast we get, without a doubt. And I think he's, he is remarkably good in this. And I, I think I knew that before, but watching it again with a critical eye, just really well done, especially the end. Like he was a kid. And I, I also thought, God, is this is this the movie that fucked Corey Feldman up? You know what I mean? Um, but also the friends, they don't make a lot of sense,
1: do they? No, I mean it. It almost seems like there's like two. This to me feels like there are two friend groups that are being forced together, and and
0: I'm just sitting there thinking, why? And 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 every part with the friends is so awkward and it just doesn't feel
1: it just doesn't feel right every single time that they're that they're together do you and know why I, do you know why i think that is why i think it's the twins fault i think that <laughs> tina and terry present a very malicious and manipulative uh energy into okay. this friend group I- because they're the ones that break up sarah and uh De, i think De, no paul Paul, Sarah and paul. paul yeah uh they're the ones that get in between um uh the, the crispin glover and his friend yeah like they're they're always the ones stirring the pot and i don't like it and also <laughs> like they do it like right in front of everybody like right. that that was a that's, part that, like made me so mad as i was like right like paul paul it's, Paul. They're they're literally Paul. right there. Like
0: they're it's like they're right. It's like literally like fucking somebody in front of your wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It is. It's so that I I just thought that was so weird. It, and it I, didn't yeah. make a lot of sense to me. And you know. And that being said, I still liked some of them. Like I really I really loved Teddy. You know I thought Teddy was he was really funny and you know and he wasn't bad for the role. And you know Crispin Glover. Oh my God! What a f- what a fucking weirdo I, mean, I know su- such a weird role it doesn't and it doesn't make uh, well i mean actually no it does make sense i, I don't know why i was going to say that i mean it makes perfect sense he's a he's he's supposed to be playing a a sex starved teenager who knows no idea of, of what he's doing with it right so that all <laughs> makes sense but it, it's just uh like iconic he's, dancing though you got that give him credit for that. it was like it was like he was like the original elaine for god's sake yeah, like, that seriously was oh my god you're totally right. <laughs> oh, absolutely terrible. And the whole dead fuck thing actually was kind of a funny trope throughout the oh, I hate using the word trope. It was a funny motif throughout the entire movie. Um, you know, look, lots of other details. The, the the movie, once again, it's it's sort of like part three in a way for me, but with a very different slant. There, there, the, the parts with the friends, I just I'm just less into it. But the parts without the friends, I'm I'm all into it. The the whole Rob thing is fucking cool. I, I love yeah. Rob. Oh my god, I love him. And like, you know, the brother and sister thing, I love it. It's really, really good stuff. I I was thinking, like, could we have this movie without the friend group? (laughs) Like, could that work if it were just that? Um, And I almost wish that there was an experiment where I could see it happen because I just didn't want any of the friends anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, some people that I noticed that are um, on screen. Obviously, we have Crispin Glover, we have Corey Feldman, but yep. then I also was like, Oh, Peter Barton, we he was in Hell night So we just oh, covered was Hell he, Night, really? Yeah, not too long ago. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh and then also, uh, is it Sarah? Yeah, Sarah uh was in Weird Science. She was one of the oh. romantic <sighs> interests in weird science. So I weird that science. Was so good. Um it, it just like just like Vera in this movie, I wanted more. Or in the last movie, sorry, I wanted more Sarah, because I think the Sarah-Samantha relationship is really interesting. Yeah. Um, And because, like, Sarah's kind of, like, the provocative one and the one that's having sex, and Samantha is kind of played off as, like, the virgin like type of character um i just i liked their relationship and i liked how they played off of that it's it's a funny thing watching these movies back to back is you start to see kind of the sequence of things like whenever girl is given a lot of uh screen time at the beginning yeah they're likely going to be the first one that dies yeah (laughs) like it's so (laughs) And um, I did read in some of the trivia that Sarah, who dies uh, on the raft, who gets kind of the Kevin Bacon death, you know, through the, through sure. the skin. Yep. Um, she uh, when they filmed that scene at night, it was so cold that she almost got hypothermia from oh, wow. filming that. Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, I think that I think that Paul is maybe the most despicable character I've ever seen on screen. Paul, Paul sucks. And I wish he didn't because he is a cute guy, but that yeah. fucking guy sucks. <laughs> oh he God. sucks. Yeah. And you know what? When he gets speared in the dick, I'm kind of like, okay with it. <laughs> good you
0: motherfucker. <laughs> but,
1: um, I think Ted white as Jason is really, really good in this. I think he brings like a veracity and a, like, a, a, like I said at the beginning of this, he's just really angry in this movie. Yeah. I think that Jason is like, Fuck Chris Higgins! She almost killed me. I am going out with a bang. You know what I mean? And I'm fucking corkscrewing people, pulling people through yeah. windows, just doing the whole damn thing. <laughs> but but you I know, will it's... say, Jason covers way too much ground in this movie because one time he's downstairs, and the next time he's pulling somebody through a window upstairs, and I'm like, you're not that spry, Mr. Oh, yeah. Jason Voorhees. He, so. He's he's all over the place.
0: You know, one thing that I thought about in this movie too, when it when it came to the way that Jason killed. Is uh, uh, he he displays everything now? You know, he, you know he's got he's got uh, Crispin in the door, sort of crucified in a way. He's got the other person over here, person over here. And I was thinking, you know, do we ever really talk about Jason as a serial killer? I mean, he's very
1: theatrical. Let's just say yeah. that.
0: But I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, once again, you're far more into the series than I am. Do you ever hear him just like talked about as a
1: serial killer? Um I don't know. I guess I've never really paid attention. I think that we just always know Jason is the killer. You it, know what you I mean? mean? Just, yeah. I don't know why. It, it just struck me. You know, it's was like, oh, look look at how he displays everything now. And I mean,
0: are, he's very theatrical. It's he's like a serial killer.
1: I mean, even I and I forgot to set point this out, but I do think it's funny that what the nurse gets excited when the morgue that she works at is mentioned on the news. <laughs> yeah. I thought right, that, that right, was just right, like, right, <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, right. Um, but um, even during the news like commentary i don't think they ever refer to him as a serial killer i'm just trying yeah. to remember but i don't think that's they do something, either something, something to think something about interesting or something him. to pay attention to when on rewatch um and listen i have a really i have two i have two major things that i think that this movie just really drops the ball and I, and i'll get, i'll get through it and then we'll go on to things that i really liked but i don't I don't know why Gordon is here. Um, I I
0: completely agree with you. Yes. It makes no sense.
1: I think Gordon is a lovely looking dog, but he is not there when he's not supposed to be. And then automatically is there when he needs to be. And it's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. His death quote unquote, because I'm sorry if Triff, if Trish can jump out that window and take that tumble, then I'm sorry, Gordon can too. And so in my canon, yeah. Gordon is alive. Aww. But um, I just, I don't understand the inclusion of the dog. It serves no purpose. I, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why it's there. The other thing that I take a little bit of uh, credence with is the Umbridge. off screen killing of the mother because yeah. she is such a prominent part of the beginning part of the movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't really understand that choice. Like why, why? (laughs) So there is a deleted scene where Trish finds her mom dead in the bathtub. Okay. Uh, but at this, at, at the same time, we get some of the most brutal kills in the Friday, the 13th series in this movie. And yet we off screen kill the mom. And then we never see her for the rest of the movie. Makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. a filmmakers, you drop the ball on the mom character and what she represented in the movie. That's just my take on it. i think it's I think it's odd. um, I think another thing
0: in this film too, that I noticed is that people just have such strange habits, <laughs> like and what I, like the, and the way I realized it was like, why is
1: everyone like do you take a shower at night? well i think it was uh i i think what that was meant to serve is that they just had sex and they were showering yeah, after sex
0: but like i mean like do you shower at night people are always showering at night
1: in these motherfuckers and i'm like When's the last time I took a fucking shower at night? Like, who's got well, time for that? <laughs> Just on the shower part, I I did put something in my notes because I was like, "Damn, this water heater is big because <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking real." Seriously, it's and like, they're
0: loving these showers, Jesus. And like um and like you know back to the kids themselves, like the whole like dance thing too. Like, what was everyone doing? Like that, that scene is so fucking weird. You, you when you go into the scene, you've got the one couple making out on the stairs in front yep. of everybody. and I'm like, what 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 are you What are you doing? That's so fucking weird. And then you've got Crispin Glover saying, "Would you care to dance? Who the fuck wants to dance? You're just sitting there. It's like you're not at a bar. you know what I mean? It just the whole thing is just so very awkward. Um I do really love it when Jason gets the corkscrew. In his oh, hand. the comedic genius like, of Jason Voorhees! Yeah, I, I wrote. I love that Jason was waiting for that joke. Like it's, it was perfect. Um, <laughs> and then he, who does he throw out the window shortly thereafter?
1: Uh, I can't remember. I think it's who Tina. Is it? Oh Tina. my god! I, what I wrote down or Terry? I, I can't when remember.
0: I, when I tell you, he launches her out that window, <laughs> and she fucking—it's like she's in a ballet. And she just goes out. I was laughing. I'm still laughing about it. I was laughing so hard. And she, and she hits that car. <laughs> oh, and the car just like implodes, basically. It yeah. was hilarious.
1: Oh, that's the other thing is, so we we are meant to believe that. So I can't, I literally can't remember which twin leaves and which one stays. I think Tina is the one that leaves. One of them, if yeah. If I'm being honest. Um, the fact that that they do not hear her get impaled on the side of the house. Thank you. Is inexplicable to me. Come on,
0: <laughs> everybody. That, that's, uh, you know, the suspension of disbelief there, I think. Um, I also wrote down how Jason gets so fucking strong. Like, how are you that strong? Yeah, what? he literally just got an axe to the head in the yeah. last movie. So, <laughs> my God, how is he still going? My Jesus God Almighty. And then I will say um the, uh, Oh, the girl gets hit with an axe at the door. I was like, oh, you got done dirty, girl.
1: And well, then I what I will say about her is I don't know how she, I do not know how she folds her towel to stay on. Girl. Girl, you got some talents there because she real. is running in that towel. Now let's talk
0: about Rob's death, right? Rob's oh. death is oh. the is like the craziest one because he is just screaming, he's, he's killing, killing me. He's me. killing me. He's killing me. And I was like, Oh my God. And then I sat there and I I started to think about death, Andrew. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, when I die, is that what I'm going to be saying? I'm dying. I'm dying. You know what I mean? Like that is just, that scene was harrowing listening to him scream. He's killing me over and over again.
1: Yeah. The other one that I really like felt for was uh, Doug when he's in yeah. the shower yeah. and he, he does have like a little bit of a homophobic joke where he's like, oh Polly 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 drop my bar of soap you want to get in here with me and I was like well Peter Parton maybe he does because you're you're a very attractive man yeah so. I mean, listen maybe it was actually just a funny little invitation he wanted it seriously you but know. when he gets his head basically just oh. crushed in I was like, but there is no worse way to go. I don't right. know. God, like, I, I,
0: seriously, I just Seriously, I would hope that I would die quickly, but I don't think you'd die quickly right there. Um, when Jason chases them into the bedroom and the ugly bookcase does not stop him. Go figure. Why? <laughs> why, why would that stop him? And she get his head in a damn computer monitor. I know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and it's like and like also when she picking that thing up, like, I mean, think about computers of yesteryear. They're not, yeah. you know, what we have now. Um, and even, and this is even older because this was 84 for God's sake, that monitor had to be heavy as fuck. Yeah, so yeah. She picking that thing up, like it's
1: nothing. I was like,
2: damn
1: girl. Yeah. And for what I, you. honestly, and you know, Friday the 13th fans might hate me for this, but I think, I think Trish is one of the more unlikable final girls. If I'm being totally honest. Um, I mean, she, she does give a good run at the end. She really does. Yeah. But what she, what frustrates me about Trish is she's in the house with the, where the vacationers are. Uh, and that's when Rob is killed. And so she runs back and goes to the Jarvis house where Tommy is. And then when Jason comes in, she runs back to the other house. And I'm like, girl, make a decision. Like, yeah. where are we staging this final fight? Because like, you got, you got to make a decision Yeah, yeah. Um, for Jesus. You have to decide. Yeah. And, and ultimately like at the end of the day, she really isn't even the final girl Tommy Jarvis kind of is. You're because absolutely he, right. Because he's the one that really puts uh Jason down at the end of the day and finally uh I'll just say really quick he takes a play out of Amy Steele's book from you know from part 2 uh-huh, where he sure. kind of like plays with his psychologic like psychology and dresses up as him as a kid. But what Tommy Jarvis does and what they play off as psychosis at the end because I don't particularly love the last frame of this movie I don't either um what they play off as psychosis is what I would do because I'm sorry if I see those fingers moving I am going to stab forever I'm going to yeah. continue to hack away at this man until he has no head no arms no legs no feet no yeah. liver I don't know <laughs> I mean it's 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 what it's
0: it's what you're you're screaming for everyone to do in every horror movie which is make sure they're dead.
1: Yeah, As and so the fact that go, and so the fact that they have that last scene, I think that this movie would have been far better if they would have just ended with him hacking Jason up and just being like spit on you, you're done, good night. Yeah, but they have to add on this hospital scene where Tommy is now basically being set up to be. It- it's the classic part four because even in Halloween four, yeah. you get um what's her face as like potentially the new killer and i don't like this i don't like this motif of survivorship equals that you're gonna repeat the violence if that you know what i mean i I don't think i'm i don't think i'm putting it i'm not putting it exactly how i want to say it but you'll you'll you understand i i think i think i think that will
0: make sense to people too i I mean yeah I, i think that's a bit of a silly thing to imply yeah yeah i mean but so you you get raped you're gonna go rape somebody
1: you know what i mean yeah like, that's, that's, yeah that's, yeah
0: or or you know or the classic thing you get molested you're gonna go molest somebody i mean like these are things that aren't real right and like we well you know there may be some proclivities that 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 occur or certainly trauma that 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 happens is what i really should say there i think it's 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 a it's a big stretch to to do it the other way
2: I
1: gr- I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate this. There's a small effect in this that I thought was really gross. Um, and then we'll leave it at that. But it's where um the initial shot of the machete to the head, and then when Jason falls down and slides down oh, the blade. God. <laughs> like, the, I, it, it
0: like legitimately difficult to watch.
1: It is, it's it's a great oh. effect, but it is Jesus really Christ. gross to watch. But um yeah, overall. What do you think about Friday the 13th, the final chapter?
0: Uh, yeah, I gave it a four again,
1: and I said, the
0: friend group just doesn't make sense. Take them out, and honestly, we'd have a great movie.
1: And I said the family dynamic that this one brings is interesting, and this is obviously the most star-studded cast. But something about the friend group just feels off sometimes. Yeah, and we I both have the same idea there. But yeah, <laughs>
0: well, um, folks, that I gave does it a it,
1: oh, I'm sorry. oh, sorry, and I gave it a four point
0: five. Sorry about that. I forgot that. Um, folks, that does it for our final film, which is the final chapter. Um, we'll be right back with our uh with our final game of the episode, which is Hottie of the episode.
2: Shantae, you stay Shantae, you stay Shantae, you stay Shantae, you stay
1: all right that does it for episode 107 hope you enjoyed listening to our friday the 13th content on your lovely friday the 13th but before we go we always got to play because we're a horror podcast we always got to play a game at the end Duh. <laughs> it's just like what you do as a horror podcast Duh. Duh rules but uh tonight we are playing hottie of the episode which if you don't know it's very very complicated game (laughs) where we pick out who we think is the hottie of (laughs) The episode. Ter- ter- terrib- terribly since complex game here. It's season, really We've been doing it since episode one. We're going to continue True. to do it uh, forever and ever. Until uh, episode 1000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're still doing this at 1000. Yeah. Please uh, take my microphone away. <laughs> um, but Maddie, who is your hottie of the episode
0: uh tough choice but it it, it, in the end it does have to go to crispin glover actually i think he has a a, just like a a youthful charm to him even as weird as he fucking is and look he's just cute i can't help it
1: and in no surprise i am going with andy depicted by jeffrey rogers andy you can do handstands in my dreams for the rest of time, you can do handstands so. on my dick. How about that? <laughs> um, don't know how that would work, but yeah, I don't know either. It
0: just sounded right, like the right thing to say. Um, folks, that was episode 107 of Friday the 13th podcast. Thank you for joining us, especially if this was your first time with us. Uh, go back and listen to some others. You you can have fun by going back to all 106 other episodes if you'd like. Um, plus a bunch of bonus shit that we did a long time ago. Um, some housekeeping for you, really quick. Uh, folks, if you want to support friday the 13th which is a proud independent podcast you can do that you can buy merchandise or you can you can become a patron on patreon by going to friday 13.com slash support
1: yes and like i say in almost every episode if you thought this conversation was worth just one dollar if you, the last two hours of your life was worth $1, we would really appreciate if you could go onto Patreon and subscribe. I uh, realize that's not, it's not, it's not for everybody. Totally get it. But the other thing you can do that's free. Is leave a review that could be on Spotify. That could be on Apple podcasts. That could be on the good pods. That could be on literally any, anywhere where you listen to this. Um, It's really important. Or even, or even just tweeting about it. You know what I mean? Like, or
0: writing, writing about it on Facebook, whatever,
1: literally anything that you can do to spread the word about the show. We are so thankful. And listen, we do this for almost free. Yeah. So I need you to at least do that. Do that. It's
0: it, you know if if you're if you're into podcasts, think about all the podcasts that you listen to. Most likely, the ones that you are really into, or the ones that you listen to all the time, are ones that go figure your friends told you about, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. people get this stuff from word of mouth, and then they go check it out, and then they look at the review, and they go, okay, I'll listen to it. It's like the number one thing for people like us that do this. So if you if you can do that, it really does help because. We want to build our audience even bigger and bigger and bigger. And why is that? Because we think we have the loveliest audience on earth. People who care about each other, people who are really into horror movies, obviously, people who care about the world and they wanna like listen to different perspectives and learn how to do things in a better way maybe. And that's a special group to be a part of. So the more people we can get like that, maybe we'll change the world for the better. You never know, even in a little tiny, small way.
1: For sure. Well, I hope you had a great Friday the 13th and, you know, no ladders were involved. Be careful out there. We, we we figured it out and we had no final destination in our life <laughs> today. But we will leave you with one, one little thing, and that is for you to get, get slayed. slayed.